0: Great, big, beautiful podcast. Oh, and here I am, just little old me, Minnie Mouse, and my friend Lucy. Say hi, Lucy. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Oh, this is fun. Have you ever been to
1: Disneyland?
0: Affirmative.
1: That was definitely an e-ticket.
0: I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now while well, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV.
1: You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show... The publishers kept saying, do a book about sharks. Sharks are big, put sharks on the cover. And I thought, I, I kind of did that with dolphins. I'd always wanted to do a book about Mayans. And when i throw it to my publishers, they wouldn't Guess what? My new book was Shadow of the Shark because there's a shark off the coast with a bunch of Mayans Yes Here are
2: your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors Welcome to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast You can find us on Twitter at the GBV Podcast We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBV Podcast I'm Justin Connors
3: I'm Jamie Green
2: and we are here with another, <laughs> we were so rehearsed, I'm just are
3: <laughs> we're only We're only like 40 some episodes in, one day we'll get this down to a size. Yes,
2: and we even have the movie voice guy announcing that it's us, but we still say our names.
3: I know we do, that is true. We should just, we don't need to do that anymore. I always no. forget that we have him introducing us.
2: Exactly, we have the guy. The, the guy. The voice guy.
3: <laughs> so how's it going? It's going well. How are you doing? I'm cold. It's, it's the winter finally arrived.
2: Right, right. How, um, cool, how cold. cold is it where you are right now?
3: Uh, it's about 24 That's Fahrenheit.
2: Cool. That's cold. That's cold. Yeah. respectable. Yeah, see, we I don't,
3: don't have like two feet of snow on the ground like you do. No, but you no, no, you no. live far too north for any sane person to complain. Right, so right. I don't hear it.
2: For people that don't know, I am in Canada on the East Coast and Jamie's in Washington. And yeah, so you're negative four where I. I know this is nothing to do with the podcast, but you're negative four Celsius where I am. Okay. And right now, this morning, it was negative twenty four here.
3: See, so you you don't get any sympathy from me because you have chosen to live there.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no point. So that's negative eleven Fahrenheit. <laughs> that's cold.
1: That's it cold. Is cold. <laughs> it is
2: cold. So, I'd rather it be yours. So, anyways. <laughs> We are interviewing a fantastic author today. If you have kids, and you're oh, sorry, if you have kids, you're gonna know who Mary Pope Osborne is.
3: Yeah. If if you have any books in your children's library, chances are very good that you've got at least one Magic Tree House book in there. Right. Um,
2: and if you don't, just go. ask your kid. Because I asked Hannah. I said, Hannah, do you know who? Do you know what Magic Tree House is? Because I mean, I. I, I know what it is, but I don't know Magic Treehouse. I, I yeah, you know. were too old for it when it yeah, exactly. first came out. Yeah. And, and your I kids said it are to her still she goes, she she looks at me and goes, Yeah, dad, my library's full of them. I love them. <laughs> I just like, Okay
0: <laughs> Well then. Yeah.
3: Ma- uh, Magic Treehouse now the the most recent book that just came out, um, is number fifty four. Uh, in the series that is not including their um, some time back. They started also publishing, putting out these nonfiction complimentary books that tie into the theme of the this, the, the main book. Um, so that's not counting those. But there are 54 Magic Treehouse books at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 a phenomenon. I mean, it really is. It's it's the first book came out in 1992. So it's we're coming up on 25 years at this point. Um, and Mary has written all of them. Um, and th- my, my daughter is obsessed. We, a couple of years ago, um, again, like you, I was too old when they first came out. So I never read them as a kid. Uh, but I always knew of them. I always yep. saw them there. I knew that they were part of the children's lit landscape. I right. always knew that they were out there. I just had never read them myself. So a couple of years ago when she was ready to sit through uh, a, a longer chapter book, rather than just like a picture book or something. Mm-hmm. Um we started it on those because they're they're relatively short, they've got pictures throughout the, the book. Um so I thought that that would be a nice sort of segue into reading longer books and she almost immediately became just just entranced by them. Right. I mean they ha- they have a rhythm to them that when you read them aloud, um, they really work. There are certain things that get repeated across each book, um certain images and sounds and words that are repeated again and again and um, for a kid listening to that, it's something that they they can like. Oh, I remember that. that right. She said exactly the same thing when the when the treehouse traveled through time in the last
0: book. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and so we've got we don't have all of them, but I think you know we. I started reading them to her, and then maybe around book somewhere between twelve and fifteen, she just started taking over and she started reading them herself.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I'm not sure what she's up to now, but. Uh, yeah, if you don't know what Magic Treehouse is, either you're my age and you don't have kids or you just aren't aware of what we're talking about because you don't <laughs> but but when you see the book, you'll absolutely know. You'll like, Oh, I know what Magic Tree House is. It is a phenomenon. It's it's been around a long time and uh, it's showing no signs of stopping.
2: Right. So we're gonna play this interview and it was a lot of fun.
3: Mary, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. This is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I've been a big fan of yours for a long, long time.
1: Oh, well, thank you. And, I, and I'm and a fan of your show. I was... Um uh, someone told me about it, and I tuned in, and I thought it was the podcasts are wonderful. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you.
2: wow, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We try
3: to. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there, and it's and it's hard to stand out from the crowd. But we try to have good conversations with really great people, and uh, I think this oh. this episode matches that description.
1: <laughs> oh well, thank you very much.
3: <laughs> so let's just dive right in. Um, Magic Tree House, the newest yeah. title that just came out, is Balto of the Blue Dawn.
0: Um, right.
3: and I'm just wondering when you were writing the first book, did you ever in your wildest dreams think that 54 books, 25 years later, you'd still be writing about Jack and Annie?
1: Never, never in my wildest <laughs> dreams uh, ever. I thought originally I thought I would just do four. And, um, and I had already written a lot of books and books on, um, Folklore and mythology and legends and history and novels and picture books and I was actually writing a little mystery series about bugs in a cottage garden that was, <laughs> that was my passion and I loved doing that. It was very eccentric and um, and then Random House suggested I try a series and I I had always wanted to do time travel so I figured it took me a year to figure out a treehouse and. I tried a magic museum and a magic cellar and a mar- magic artist studio. And I, I was spinning my, my wheels though. Nothing was so to speak taking off. And I was going to stop because I thought I have to get back to my other work. And then I saw this tree house in the woods with my husband, Will in Pennsylvania, where we had a cabin. We lived in New York city and you know, the treehouse idea, um, world into being, and it took off, you know, in in so many ways with my imagination, but I was still just going to do four books and uh, do those books and make a little extra money to go back and feed my other passions for ideas that were were not big sellers, and then, um, then I got contracted, I believe, for four more books, and I accepted that contract, and then they four more books. They just kept coming. <laughs> they kept coming. And then the day came when they wanted to sign me up for 12 more books. and it, that, <laughs> But by then, another um, passion had taken over, and it was uh, teachers writing me and parents writing me and kids writing I had never gotten letters on my other books. And I got so many letters. I would pack them into this giant closet and – to close the closet door and and just (laughs) panic because i couldn't write to all of the people and then i thought well this isn't really for me now about being a great artist Uh, uh, this is about um literacy and and Mm -hmm. then and then everything changed and i've never stopped it you know for the last for a while i still did a number of other books at the same time but but for the last, I don't know, maybe eight or six years, it's all been Magic Treehouse. And and, and, I, and I'm even working on another one now. So it wow. doesn't seem to be ending.
2: Well, well I've always heard uh, creative people say the fans will kind of tell you what they want to hear. And, you know, any indication, getting all that, le- all those letters, you know, gives you an idea. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it, being a creative person is very complicated and it, and. You can go a whole life without any fans and right. just and love what you do and maybe a few people. But I'll tell you, having people read what you write in great numbers it, it gave me an unexpected pleasure. <laughs> 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 so I uh, I have to say that that, that was an incentive, too. Um, aside from the good, good work of trying to do literacy uh, right. efforts, it was really fun to... To have a lot of readers and to go to a book signing and have a lot of kids show up that was all new for me the first book signing I ever went to for another book um, ever one person showed up (laughs) with a grandchild and 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 I thought I would just sit down and do it anyway. I was thinking, I don't know if you remember the book Franny and Zoe by J.D. Oh, yeah. Ballinger. Yeah. Do it for the fat lady, so to speak. Yeah. So I would do it for her, and I thought I was so noble. And I sat down and started to read from this little picture book, <laughs> and the woman started yelling at me to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> She was insane. I should have called the child authorities to help that child that was with her. But uh, the store employees ran to the back of the store. They were so horrified. My one person was crazy. So uh, that that was where my career was before Magic Tree
3: So it's safe to say you've come a long way.
1: Well, yeah, I hope so.
2: It's a fantastic story. Oh, man. So after so many books, do you ever, when you're trying to write the new one, do you ever get stumped for new ideas or situations?
1: Oh, yeah. All the time. Maybe since book four. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, but kids for years would give me the best ideas and I'd have kids vote. And I I really ran the show that way, navigated the whole um Journey with kids telling me what to do. But finally, even the kids ran out of ideas because <laughs> I'd done all their ideas. So, um, uh, But, but I, I, sometimes my publisher gives me... Okay, this is a good example. The publishers kept saying, do a book about sharks. Sharks are big. Put sharks on the cover. And I thought, I, I kind of did that with dolphins and what am I going to do with sharks? It's just so pandering. I'd always wanted to do a book about Mayans and every time I ever asked a crowd about Mayans, I never got any votes. <laughs> and when I throw it to my publishers, they wouldn't jump at it. So guess what? My new book uh, last summer was Shadow of the Shark because there's a shark off the coast with a bunch of Mayans. Yes. About years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's kind of indicative of how you take of something that, you know, has immediate appeal and attach it to something yeah. that you really want to do and learn about and you want the kids <laughs> to learn about. But they have to be walked through the back door to yeah. get there. So that's that's a typical way of doing it. He'll For instance, attracted. I I wanted to do Shakespeare, but every time i yell at a crowd, Showtime with Shakespeare, no hands would go up. <laughs> so one day I just clicked onto the idea. Stage fright on a summer night because kids know stage fright, so they're they're in. I got Shakespeare.
3: You got you got to trick them, kids. Yeah, you totally (laughs) trick them.
1: (laughs) Bait and switch. We call it a bait.
3: (laughs) Kids and publishers—they're really not that different. You got to trick them both.
1: I have to work on both ends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, is there a is there an end to Jack and Annie's story? Like, do you have an end in sight that you know it's going to tie up, or, or are you just content at this point to have them continue on?
1: Well, I sometimes I have false endings. Like, I this one I just finished is coming out next summer. is called Night of the Ninth Dragon, and uh, King Arthur's mortally wounded, and Jack and Annie have to get him to the Isle of Avalon, and Getting to Avalon is is the big journey with Arthur and Guinevere. But in the real King Arthur legends, his life ends with that. He does get mortally wounded, and he's taken to Avalon, and it's the end of the story. And, and Arthur's never come back with any, any, any of the ancient legends, the medieval legends. So it, technically, that, that would have been a nice wind-up. Yeah. <laughs> but. But here I am blotting the next one. So
0: um,
1: I guess I don't know when it will ever end and, or if or if that book will have the the grand ending it should have, yeah. you know right. um, the door keeps opening.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, that's not a bad problem to have, right? I mean, you you, you have what so many authors, especially in in children's literature, you have the dream, you know, what a lot of people really want. They want a successful series that they can just keep working on and keep living in. And, you know, you, you've got it, you know, so it, that you, it would be nice to sort yeah. of wrap it up and, and say, that's the end. That's how I want it to finish. But then again, it's also great to just keep carrying on, I would imagine.
1: Well, and I think keep carrying on keeps it a vital so that, once you wrap it up, it's, it becomes a little moribund, you know, like, uh, oh, well, that was yesterday. But yeah. there, it, it's always now, because there's always something else to uh, for kids to pick up. And maybe that Balto book will get them into the series, in right. other words. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They might not have started the series. And also, we have these, these other lively things going on. Um, my husband, Will, is very involved with the series, so is my sister Natalie, and our two best friends from New York, a writer, a playwright, and a composer. Will is is a uh, composer and playwright, and he and these two friends have written five different Magic Treehouse musicals that are being done in different stages around the country. And my sister uh, writes the Magic Treehouse nonfiction books, the Fact Trackers. Right. So it, we're, we're all up in this little New England town, and we have, um, a, you know, like a little um grassroots thing going on here where we're constantly one or the other of us is working on some element of magic treehouse and that keeps it alive beyond my personal study you know yeah. i've got uh, these friends and family all involved so i think that's that's why it stays really present too with us
3: i'm i'm sure um you meet fans you've probably met a bunch of them thousands probably have you met fans who grew up on your books and now have their own kids who they're reading to or the kids are reading the books and so it's it's become this generational thing that that stays in the family or the the parents keep the books and pass them on to their kids and is that surreal for you at all as an author knowing that your words have this cross-generational appeal
1: well you know it's funny you ask that because i haven't quite gotten to the year when these parents have kids unless they're having them pretty young because the series came out 24 years ago. Yeah. And if a kid starts at about eight, what's happening though? It's amazing. Is the twenty somethings that I meet, and I'll meet them. You know, like? I'll be checking into an airport or a hotel, and they'll recognize my name, and that's all new. Yeah. And or I was giving a, I was getting a, <clears throat> an honor from at a graduating, uh, at a university at, at, at the gra- day of graduation. And all the seniors, uh, a graduating stood out for Magic Treehouse. And, and that's the first time I realized, oh, a senior in college, you know, they did grow up. Yeah. So that is wonderful because what's so endearing is all these young people, it reminds it, – it, I'm just a little tiny piece of it. What, what they're really responding to is their childhood. Yeah. And so they're very emotional, a lot of them, to get teary-eyed when they say, oh, you were my childhood. You were this – so you're getting people where you know the memories flood in, yeah. and time with their parents or whatever, and so that's it's just that's divine. I love that. And then I think those people in another ten years will be sharing the books with their kids, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, no, it, it, that's really thrilling. And I, I hope I live long enough to go through <laughs> a few generations dragging myself to the finish line here it's (laughs) funny
3: it's funny you mentioned that because I went to my niece's graduation and I'm pretty sure it was her college graduation it was in the same town it was in Chapel Hill North Carolina and you were yeah yeah you were the the I don't know if it was the keynote but you were one of the speakers at the graduation there
0: yeah
3: for, for UNC and uh you got the biggest ovation like it, of anybody who was speaking. And I don't even think if you asked anybody in that graduating class, who else spoke, they wouldn't remember, but like you got, you got a, a welcome reception and a, a cheer. Like, like you were a rock star and it was well, because this graduating class, that was their childhood. These mm-hmm. were their books.
1: That rocked me to my core because, yeah. um, I only had my brother and my husband in the audience. And I noticed that the other, um, People were getting nice applause, and I I was totally prepared to hear two applauses (laughs) from my brother and my (laughs) husband, and then there was that shout, and I was really sick that day. I had a terrible, terrible um, cold, and I couldn't talk. I had laryngitis, and I I was... felt dizzy up there. And when that applause came in, it was really, uh, it it was so joyful. It it was life-changing, you know, in terms of realizing I have this new audience, you Mm -hmm. know, of people who grew up on the books. You know, this is so wonderful.
3: Yeah, it's different than you know like a library full of kids or a classroom full of little kids who it's you know, I'm sure it's it's incredibly joyful to see those kids get so excited. But when you see a football stadium full of graduating college seniors going off to do something to the world who you've had such a profound impact on, I'm sure that's just that's a completely different thing.
1: it was a different thing it was yeah. a totally different thing and and uh and, but you know i don't, the funny thing is I kind of stopped going places about two years ago i I do. Maybe two events a year, whereas I used to do almost two a week, mm-hmm. so i've lost some touch with um, the outside world you know uh, and i this weekend I go to the most exciting event uh, every it's my fourth time to the junior uh, theater festival of America, and you go down to Atlanta to the conference center they're they're showcasing one of our new shows, five thousand kids. Um, who are going to be singing and dancing. Wow. And I'm talking about from 8 to 17. With, from all over the country. They had bake sales, they each have, you know, little chaperones and teachers mm-hmm. and parents who put on a musical and then bring it to Atlanta to show off elements of it and Broadway people come down and and for free you know, pro bono they they instruct the kids, they give little sessions and so I will have this great audience and a lot of them will have just passed out of the book. So, but that's, that's rare now when I go to these places. So it's so gratifying yeah. and sh- and shocking. It always it reminds you, you know, that you, uh, you have an audience. And yeah. So yeah, it is a wonderful thing. I, I can't b- believe how lucky I've been. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: I, I know for the, um, at least for the first I oh, don't know, a couple dozen. <laughs> uh, you read the audiobook versions yourself. Is that is, is that something that you I enjoy,
1: enjoy do that. doing?
3: You still I do, do that. And
1: yeah. you know what's fun about that is um, the first ones I ever did, I actually had to audition for the part because they don't like all authors to read because some of them can't read well. Right. You know, the, but the, so they I practiced and practiced and I went in and I think they reluctantly gave me the part. And then I would practice and practice for every book. And one day I said, this isn't helping me. I'm, I go in there and it's almost stale. I started going in, and this is after I haven't looked at the book in months. I've moved on to the next.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I read cold, and I and I read to discover what's on the page, and 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 then you couple that with reading to really want to communicate because you did put it on the page, right. and I find it so much fun. But it's only fun if I go in and do it cold. Yeah. So I yeah I'm gonna do. Balto, uh, I mean, I've done Balto. I'll do uh, the Dragon book in a, in, a, in a few weeks. Yeah, and
3: you're very good because we. my daughter is obsessed with the books. We started reading them, she's six now, I think. we. Yeah. I started reading them to her probably when she was four, and she immediately just became obsessed with them. Um, and we found at the library that there were some audiobooks, and she likes to listen to audiobooks in the car and at bedtime and everything. So we got a few, and as you said some books we've picked up that have been read by the author are just not that good yeah. <laughs> and but uh, this is you you do a very good job and it's funny that since i've listened to so many of them now when i read the book to her mm-hmm. i hear your voice as as jack and annie right. And oh, now, when so you're funny. talking to me, I hear Annie, and it's very strange.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's really good. I think some parents meet me, and as soon as I start talking, they groan and move away. are that too much. <laughs> uh,
2: so, so we were when we were doing research. We were surprised to learn that uh, there's actually a Japanese magic tree of animated film that never made it over to North America. And we had never heard of it before. And it's it's a surprise that in the 25 years, the books have not spawned a show or series or film. Is that something on purpose?
1: Yeah, it was on purpose. And the Japanese, we just love. They, Treehouse is really big over there. And the Japanese started coming to visit us, the publishers and the editors. and And they come every year. And then we would go over there to Japan, and we developed, a, they didn't speak much English, and we don't mm-hmm. speak any Japanese, but we developed a, a warm relationship with this um, kind of group of about four or five people. So when they came to us and started showing us the anime drawings, uh, it was they were so wonderful. And we said, our lawyers, you know, said, you can do this, but only in Japan, and you can't even do it in any <laughs> other Asian countries. and huh. Very strict rules, um, but that was the way, you know, everybody could have their cake and eat it too because we thought we don't want to sell the film rights and the Japan, so it's never been translated or anything, But the, and it's a wonderful um, little anime. We turned down stuff for 22 years or 23 years, and um, now we're on the verge of actually... Um, Rethinking that, so we have a. Um, I probably can't even say what it is, but we have a. <laughs> a, a we have a good studio that we've been working with. Uh, what happened was we um, we sort of spawned uh, another project, which is really where our hearts are. We we wanted to give back to teachers and kids, and we started the Magic Treehouse Classroom Adventures. Um, Will and I did, and. It's uh, a gift to teachers of, of everything they would ever want to use in their classroom with Magic Treehouse. It's free, you know, lesson plans and reading levels and curriculum guides and just tons of stuff. We have a great team of teachers who work on it. And then there's a component to that where we give the books for free to teachers of Title I schools. So you know, we've given away hundreds of thousands of books in the last um Three years since two thousand twelve, and so I I said to my team, you know, I think if we want to keep funding and grow this program, mm-hmm. we should look at a film film opportunities, and 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 use that to make this happen. And also, it'll even increase the the knowledge of the series into areas, inner city areas, and places where the 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 kids don't have books and don't really know the series. So all of these things have come together. And I think this year we'll be announcing uh, awesome. a deal. So the, that's cool for us because we'll have a, so much fun because, you know, we'll have a lot of participation, probably be mm-hmm. producers ourselves on the project and um, uh, even, you know, on the screenplay. And so I think that everything is going to, be just another big creative adventure. My fear always, especially in the first 10 years was that like with a lot of media it would swamp the reading experience and then overtake it yeah. and it would no longer be about reading. And now I think it's been out long enough that we won't lose that. Yeah. We'll, you know, it, it it can't hurt it. Right. And let's say it's, you know, it it's not good and it doesn't do well, I don't think it could hurt the books themselves. Right. So seems like a lot of things that come together to make it happen
3: yeah if anything at this point i think it's ki- kids first exposure to a lot of things are through something visual like that either a show or a movie and i think that it will definitely drive more kids to reading the books
1: well that that's a very, that would be my fondest dream you know as if the kids would want to read sure. it. And not, my worst fantasy always was that it would have this huge spike, you know, in popularity and then vanish. Like, you know, it would be on a, the books would be, you know, in a yard sale a year later, because (laughs) it would just be such old news. I hope that doesn't
3: happen. I can't imagine. It's, it's got legs. It's been around for 25 years. (laughs) You know,
0: (laughs) making a
1: movie
3: about it's going to make it disappear at this point.
1: (laughs) That's what I hope.
2: (laughs) So, what can you tell us about the new Magic Tree Kids
1: Adventure Club? Oh yeah, well this is something that um, Random House is really excited about, and when they get excited, I get excited because <laughs> I actually have a, a great team of people over there that I talk to uh, every every you know every week, and they told me about this idea for the kids' adventure club where the kids will receive these little packages in the mail. Um, and then an opportunity. I guess there's a competition to see if they can Skype with me themselves. And then they get an ID card and then some medals. And I think it. One thing I see a lot of libraries that have kids so treehouse reading clubs. I get those on my Google alerts. And I think anytime you get the kids have form their own book clubs around Magic Treehouse. Um, and I think this is like to simulate kind of a club idea, yeah. so that readers i don't I probably they can't communicate with each other because the kids aren't allowed to do that through the internet, but there's a way I think they will feel connected to other kids who are reading the series yeah. and so we'll see I think it's a great idea and see if the kids really sign up for it or not um they can i think the way the best way to sign up for it is to go to the MagicTreehouse.com site that uh, has a ton of stuff on it. It's always being updated, and I'm sure right there there's an obvious place to
3: yeah. We'll we'll link to it. But from what I understand, there's actually a website set up for it. It's (laughs) MTHKidsClub.com.
1: Well,
0: thank you. There you go. I'm just I'm
3: I'm grabbing that from the email I got from your publisher. So there you go. Well, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> no, that's um, wonderful. I, I just from what I've read about it, um, it looks like it's like this really super cool, like you, you call it a book club, but I would almost call it like a it's like a secret society, you know? It's like you get oh, an yeah. ID badge and a, you get medals <laughs> and rewards for reading. And it it sounds like something I totally would have gone nuts for as a yeah. kid. Like I love that stuff. I totally ate that up.
1: Oh I love hearing you say that. That's good. That's good
3: news. Yeah. I think if kids, if kids know about it and their parents let them go sign up, then I think it'll, you know, I can't imagine that it would, it would fail because it sounds, it sounds like something that kids just, just live for. Oh, that's
1: so cool. Well, that's, that's what we'll hope for. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, we should have a conversation in a year. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: (laughs) You mentioned though, that they have the opportunity to Skype with you. And I read that in, in, what, you know, the material that I got from Random House. Um, do you know how they would earn that? Like what they have to do to, to, to quote unquote win that?
1: No, did you? Uh, I would think that's going to be just a lottery type thing. It, it,
3: it probably it, is. It wasn't yeah. clear in what I read. So I was just wondering if you had any insight yeah, into that. Yeah, uh,
1: that's what I'm thinking. My materials on it don't say how okay. they do that. Or maybe, yeah. or
3: maybe they're just signing you up to talk to everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: For the so for the next bad. ten
2: years she's just yeah. gonna sit and Skype with kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like to do Skype because I just I've looked so ugly on Skype. Every time I've had I don't know how people situate their their screens so they just don't look unattractive, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's the lighting is, uh, Yeah, I never thought that was a very uh, appealing way to communicate. No, it's cool but.
3: because it's the future. It's like, you know, it's the video phones that we were always promised in movies, but it's not flattering at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I care about. <laughs> um,
3: talking a bit more about the books, Sal Murdaka or Murdoka. The, the illustrator, Murdaka. Yeah. So Sal Murdaka, he's been the only illustrator on all of the books, right?
1: Oh, I know. I mean, no, seriously, he is a big part of it. Yeah. And uh, I I love the, the, you know, and he's, and I mean, he and I have both grown with the series so that we know these characters better. And I, his Jack and Annie, if you look at the first to so the ones now, the ones now have so much dimension to them as I hope they have a little more dimension in there in the writing of them. But I think Jack and Annie are just, you know, real beings, to both uh, Sal and myself. And he's just wonderful at taking on a new plot. And then he does tons of research. He does his own research. Both I and my sister, who does the nonfiction, and Sal, all of us do our own research. We hardly, we never look over each other's shoulders. We're just on our own little path. And that way we own what we're doing and we get so invested in it. And Sal is just constantly surprising me and, and delighting me with what he does. And I get the, I, I kind of come up with an idea for the cover with my editor, even before I've written the book, because we have to move quickly on that part. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll have to re- literally back a story into a cover that was planned months ago. You know, how mm-hmm. could I have that scene now that I've changed right. that? But uh then Sal does a sketch and then we see the sketch and then we comment a lot on the sketch and then he redoes the sketch and then he paints the... the, It's just such a great process and it moves now like a smooth machinery. And, you know, what is really... I think one reason for the success of the series is that I've had the same editor, the same artist, the same art director and that's so rare that you keep Mm -hmm. a team for 25 years so that we... There are no surprises. Everybody knows exactly what to do. Everyone sees himself as just part of a team, including myself. I, I, you know, if I got l- late on my end of it, I'd screw everybody up. So, <laughs> you have to move it along as like, just everyone is one, you know, and we've had that with this team. So I, that's I think a huge reason we've kept going. Yeah, I,
3: um, for the interior, um, you mentioned, you know, the process. For getting that cover art, but for you know the the illustrations he has in on the inside, how much collaboration is there? I mean, do you spec out what you want to see, or does he just sort of read the manuscript and do his own research, like you said, and just come up? Yeah, with Yeah, that's image?
1: that's a good question, but I, I never do say that. I, uh, what I want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, on the inside, it's Sal and the art director. Really, and they take the manuscript and they um. Uh, 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 This is something we've started with the last few books. It's actually been fine, and we should have done it long before. We used to, um, they would just put the art wherever they wanted, and they couldn't do it or start it until I had completed the manuscript. So time would get elongated to do the whole thing. And now, once I really know the plot and I'm working with that, we can give ten ideas for spreads inside, one in each chapter. So that now each chapter has a a full-page spread of art, and that comes from suggestions that come before I finish the book. Mm -hmm. So he can be working while I'm still working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you figure out your little systems, but that requires that he do stuff before I have completed the writing, and then I look at it with my editor, and we go, oh, Jack should have his backpack here. Oh, they should have the cloaks on here. Oh, they shouldn't have this here. And we're constantly adjusting mm-hmm. back to him uh, the inner art, you know, so that it makes. Because kids are so alert to details. Oh, they'll the catch details. it. If there's they'll a discrepancy. Me, yeah, all kids have written me letters. You know, on page five, Jack yeah. should not be doing this. <laughs> oh, well, that- so I have to answer to them.
0: Yeah,
2: that's something that I remember doing as a kid, too, in, in books uh, where there would be just like, a, for example, the Hardy Boys, there'd be little pictures throughout it. And some, yeah. sometimes it would be, it would be if there was something off, I'd be like, wait a second.
1: I know. <laughs> no, indeed. <didn't. laughs> yeah. I mean, that's absolutely true. And it's always, usually, I would say, the little boys <laughs> who catch these things. Yeah.
3: But he's not supposed to be holding that flashlight in his right hand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think the one that was most egregious was in the ninja book where the samurai is holding up one sword, I think. And he should be holding up two swords. Uh. So I say, really, let me hear about that.
2: <laughs> Those are the things we need to get right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we also have copy editors. I should throw okay. their efforts in because they're yeah. really important, and they know all the books. So the copy editors, the last person who fact checks everything, mm-hmm. and for the nonfiction, we have hired experts. You know, um, university professors and experts for different subjects. And my sister deals with them, and they're fascinating. And they can be killers. They can really say, <laughs> "Oh, this yeah. one of them." She had something. Written in her manuscript in a draft, and the expert wrote, I would like to take a spoon and punch it into my eye right now. That is a really violent
0: reaction.
3: Wow. (laughs) At at least it was a reaction, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: I like thank thank you though for the uh, the shout out to to editors and copy editors. That's that's what pays my bills. That's what I do during the day. Oh, so good for
1: you. I, uh, I
3: I appreciate that shout out because too many people don't realize we actually exist.
1: Oh, and you know it seems like a, a fun job because it's just so <laughs> it's just like a science sometimes of of uh, language, and I, yeah. I love language so much that uh, and I love how they always catch us. I've used a word on the same page you know I'm getting these highlighted things and it it looks kind of delicious in a way I love to see their marks
3: (laughs) yeah it can be fun it depends on the book depends on the author but it can be a lot of fun I really enjoy (laughs)
0: it
1: yeah so
2: so whose work in children's publishing today do you really admire
1: well you know I have to confess I'm I'm not up on children's literature of today I don't read. I, I I have so little time for extra reading mm-hmm. and it's always involved the subject that I'm working on and I way overkill my research out of some insecurity. I, I probably have 40 books on authorian literature right now uh, and then I'll move on and do my next subject with uh, way overkill. So when I do <laughs> read, I don't read I I don't turn to children's literature frankly. I I love reading um what originally inspired me so much was I was obsessed for a period in the uh, when I before I started the series with uh, children's literature from England around the turn of the last century, like you know, I was reading everything by e Nesbitt and mm-hmm. um c uh, s. Lewis, uh, Lewis and Beatrix Potter, and I just thought, oh, I'd like to teach a course on this because it was uh, so delicious to me and i that's when I got the idea to do time travel myself. And so, but I, I'm aware, I have to say, I'm totally aware that there's great stuff out there Mm -hmm. and I hear about it from my editors and um, I'm just, I, I think it's such a golden time for children's literature. There's so many good writers and people are really treating it like a really serious subject. So I think, you know, you almost can't go wrong, and the stuff that's popular is usually very good. It's it's it means that kids are responding to it, and I think kids have pretty good taste.
3: Yeah, I I, I mean I have to agree. I've, with two little kids, I've been reading a lot of it, um, more yeah. so than I ever have before. And some books, you almost forget you're reading, you know, a quote unquote children's book, you know, or I a young know. or a young adult middle grade novel because some of these middle grade books. Yeah. are just as entertaining and just as well written as what you might consider an adult book you know i mean they're they're just they're fun you know some of them are yeah. more enjoyable
1: yeah well i think that the, the the genres are really uh well although i should be grateful for genre creation because there wasn't until random house as far as i can remember started early chapter books which is the three chapter books they started together were Magic Treehouse, Junie B. Jones, and Louis Sackers' Marvin Redpost. And we, you know, they launched this idea of chapter books where yeah. kids could learn to read between picture books and middle grade books. And now there are tons of chapter books out there. But within that category, um, you could, I, I love operating within limitations. Like, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. writing a sonnet. You know, so the chapter book area has been so thrilling for me. It's almost like poetry because you, you're pretty restricted with your vocabulary and your your telling. You've got to make it sparse, but you get to get into words in a fresh way. So that's a that even though it's a genre, it, it it can you can find artistic pleasure in it. And then you go to the middle grade and you can up the ante and you can get more internal. And then The YAs are really more like adult books used to be.
0: They
3: really are.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's all exciting. And picture books also, for for people who want to write children's books, are a wonderful category because there you can be pretty sophisticated because you can kind of predict a parent will be reading with a child Mm -hmm. and helping explain things and explain. In fact, you have to make it a little easier in a chapter book than in a picture book. Unless you're going to the baby books and, you know, right. they're really simple, simple. But uh, you could you can certainly turn a poem into a picture book that you've written for adults mm-hmm. if you do it right. And with the right artist, it can become something really magical.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good point. You never really think about the picture books are meant almost to be read aloud by an adult, whereas chapter books are meant to be read by kids. So they have to be a yeah. little bit easier in the yeah. language.
1: That's yeah. right. Eventually, and the way Magic Treehouse works with a lot of people as an adult will start reading a child on it, and then the child will end up crossing the bridge and reading mm-hmm. it to themselves. That is
3: exactly then, what happened with us.
1: <laughs> yeah, you kind of, you know, that's another little trick. You yep. Suddenly, they're flying without their uh, uh, little trainer wheels.
3: Exactly. Um, yeah. If you could go back to the beginning and start on Dinosaurs Before Dark again would you do anything differently?
1: Oh, it's so funny you ask that. You know, I did that. Um, they wanted to do Dinosaurs Before Dark. They wanted to do the first three as picture books with beautiful, I mean, not as picture books, but as full color okay.
0: uh,
1: art and hardback as gift books mm-hmm. and beautiful papers and just do it really uh, gorgeously. So I said, well, that sounds good, but can I rewrite them? Because I really was struggling to figure out how to write for that age group. And we were told that you could chop up sentences. You could put things in phrases. If you look at those, you'll see all these phrases with periods. And and teachers wrote in and said, don't do that, because kids are not learning how to write a sentence. Right. So um, we've changed, and we stopped that, uh, all three of us. And, you know... Um, probably we were on the fourth or fifth book by then. So, I went back and I edited those books. It, all the stories the same for the most part, and I changed those sentences and then I would see real clunky things and I changed that. So, I got to that's a writer's dream to make mm-hmm. something a little a little better. So, I did that with those first three books in the hardback. So it would be a good lesson for a child to take the paper, take the hardback, and say, "Well, why did she mm-hmm. think this was yeah.
3: better?" You know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good lesson for teachers to do. You know, let's let's compare these chapters. Yeah. and What's different, and why do you think that the author changed them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just thought of
3: that. Yeah. It's something I want to do now,
2: <laughs> Jamie. You'll have to go back to school, become a teacher, just so you can yeah. do it. Or I could I could just compare the
3: book side by side. Yeah. I don't really need to go to all that trouble.
1: <laughs> I did think that in my travels that, um, that a really fun occupation would be to be an elementary school librarian
0: because mm-hmm.
1: uh, you would be in the room with books, And although they call them media specialists now, and I wouldn't be good at that because I'm not that interested in the computer, but uh, it, an old-fashioned children's yeah. librarian would be the most fun mm-hmm. job in the world.
2: Well, in our, in our public library, we have a giant children's section, and there's two full-time libraries and they look like they have every time we go there they look like they have the best job in the world they're (laughs) so stress-free and it's just amazing i'm always like wow that'd be awesome
1: (laughs) yeah they're and they're usually such warm and wonderful Mm -hmm. people who do that job and uh, they used to often plan the visit for an author when you go to a school and you just felt like you were already nestled in listening to a story as soon as you (laughs) met them yeah
3: mary thank you so much for taking the time today this has just been an absolute delight Um, oh
1: well thank you guys you guys were great too here's to another
3: 25 years really
1: okay (laughs) (laughs) so when when you hear my creaky old voice (laughs) 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 i remember you (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys have a good day
2: Well, that's it for this week on the great, big, beautiful podcast. That was such a fun interview. She was, she was really fun and insightful.
3: Oh yeah. Just, I mean, I say it a lot and I, I need to start thinking of new words, but it was right. just an absolute pleasure. I mean, it was, she, she's somebody, once I started reading, like I said, once I started reading the books to my, to my kids, mm-hmm. she was one of those people that like, I'd really like just to sit down and talk to her. And, you know, right. like she seems like she's going to, she'd be just a really nice person and, as I said, when we were talking to her, you know, like her voice has become so familiar from the audio book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it feels like when you when you listen to somebody like that, it's like you feel like you know them. Right. You know, even though you don't, you've never even spoken yeah, to them. Exactly but you hear that. their voice in your ear. Or you hear them in the car reading know, yeah. to you and you're like, oh, they're, they're, that, 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 that person's my bud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, So and, yeah, she she's just she's just an absolute pleasure.
2: And bonus, she's a fan of our podcast, she said. She said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. i believe her i think i she believe is. her too i'm There's gonna no say a she to said us. she
2: was so i'm gonna tell people mary pope osborne listens to our podcast <laughs> is not cool it is very cool and very what what i think is great about her type i when i was a kid i actually if the books that i read were mostly in series mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's something that's a common trend among kids now but I loved it. I loved being able to find one and read it and then know that there was more. Yeah. You know, you could, and especially when the library is vast. Like, I can't imagine stumbling into Magic Treehouse now as a child and yeah. seeing that there's 50 of them. I'd be 54 like, books! 54 of them. I would, it would blow my mind. Uh, that's all I would be doing.
3: Well, I remember you say that, but even when I was a kid, I was reading Hardy Boys. Yeah, me too. And, I mean, obviously, the really old ones from the 40s yes, were, yes. were old when I was a kid. And I had a bunch of those. But the small blue paperbacks Mm -hmm. um, were coming out in the 80s when I was reading them. And I remember even then going into a bookstore and seeing that the Hardy Boys were numbering up into like the 90s. Right. And I remember being overwhelmed and I was like, Mm -hmm. there's no way I can read them all. But at the same time, I was like, but look at the choices I have. Like I love these characters and I love these stories. And I'm not tied to like the same only two or three books. I have 90 some books I can Mm -hmm. choose from. And there's got to be one there. Well, there. and then
2: they would have the list on the back of the book, yeah. each book. And so you'd be like, ah, i got to read that one. And I remember the first time I went to the library after I got into them, and my dad took me to the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> and there on the shelf was all every book in the Hardy Boys series. And I was just like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> Wide-eyed and check out like six of them. <laughs> that's
3: crazy. Yeah, and I think that is – I mean, there's a reason why a lot of um, – new children's books and chapter books are signed up as series it's because, mm-hmm. I mean, from a financial standpoint, it makes right. sense from a, for a publisher. But I think that is a a big reason why they're successful though, is because um, kids do enjoy them. And I know my kids do. Like if mm-hmm. even if they're just reading a Franklin book, you know, I read yeah. fr- a Franklin book to to my son the other night. And same thing, the back cover, they show a whole bunch of different Franklin books and he likes to look at all of them to see right. which ones we have and which ones we've yep. never read, you know.
2: the Berenstain Bears. Is the same oh, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, That was a huge part of my childhood. Oh, yeah,
2: big time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, enough reminiscing. Enough reminiscing. We'll, we, can, we should have a nostalgia podcast sometime. There you go. Have some people. On. That's what we'll do for an unplugged episode, maybe. We, we could do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you for coming this week or coming. Thank you for downloading. (laughs) You don't come visit us. Uh, Thank you for hitting download. Thank you for subscribing. You could leave us an iTunes review. That would be wonderful. Get in touch on Twitter. Get in touch on Facebook. Let us know how you like the podcast. If you have any suggestions, let us know. We also have a phone number.
3: We do. It is 301-825-5653. You can leave a message there
2: and I'm, and I want someone to leave a message I, I, I think we're going to celebrate first
3: you just time. you just let the, the um let it slip though that nobody's called us
2: okay (laughs) people call us all the time i wish someone would leave us a unique message there you go i do too
3: like a song or something or you could write us a poem and read a poem in the message
2: and what if you can even be like hey the beautiful great the beautiful podcast (laughs) the great big beautiful podcast starts now something like that that'd be fun yeah if you leave us
3: an intro like we have some of our guests do we'll use it
2: we will use it totally 100
3: you could just say hey this is jim from boise idaho and you're yeah. listening to the great big beautiful podcast we'll use
2: it man that's fine yeah <laughs> from boise idaho i'll never forget jonathan saying that. anyways <laughs> have a great week guys take care this podcast has been a production of the geek dad podcast network if you've enjoyed this content please consider supporting us at patreon.com
0: geekdad.